I am joined with a great friend of mine and also fellow musician, someone I've played a lot of music with for the better part of Bill, what, almost 20 years? <laughs> yeah. This goes back to 2002 where I answered an ad posted by the uh, lead singer at the time, Mike, and I answered that ad and it was one of the best decisions of my life because I am so grateful for our friendship, number one, most important, and our music relationship. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a weird time because uh, I had Mike was singing at the time. He's my friend. And um, I, you know, I, I had just come off of um, bass player left, the original bass player, Tom, and the original drummer left, Jerry. And I was like, oh, man, it's over. Like, it's, like, what do we do? We just move on. And Mike was like, no, nah, man, we got to put an ad in the paper. I'm like, I, I just never, never really saw myself as that guy to like I put an ad in the paper. I'm like, is that going to work? He's like, nah, who cares, man? Just put it in there. I'm like, all right. He's like, I'll do it. So he posted it. And then, yeah, like within, I think we had like a couple people actually respond. But um, the first guy came, we gave him the, the demo or whatever. He called us and. I don't remember the deal with him, but, <laughs> but, uh, but nobody had as much enthusiasm as you did. You were like, you were like on fire. Everything was just like, I was like, well, I don't because, know. Yeah, not to cut you off. It's because of oh. like the Rush influence, the Dream Theater influence. And I finally had found people that wanted to play the music I wanted to play. And I was psyched on it. And you guys kicked ass. <laughs> well, I mean, at the time it was, we had uh, Chris Erbst on bass at the time, and Mike was singing. So yeah, I mean, it was it was hard because we uh, almost well, I would say almost started over. It was Chris had to learn the songs, you had to learn the songs, and then you know, and then we started writing. And I think that was probably the best thing we did because you know, if you don't know where else to go, you start fresh in a way, you know. But yeah, that it was fun. It was fun. That was so much fun, and it's funny you said that word. That's why you're my brother from a different mother, like I always say. When we actually sat and started writing after, you know, we had played the old stuff that you guys had done, which was tremendous stuff, you know, and all those musicians that were a part of that, mad props to them. They were so great. And then when we started writing our own thing behind these walls, which will come out eventually, you know, um, <laughs> we, we recorded that. We're slowly trickling out music that we've had for years, but you know, <laughs> right? And it, that was so much fun. Like we would just hang out in, in Chris's. What was it? I, it wasn't a basement. It was a garage. It was a garage. Yeah, that he yeah. converted. He converted half the garage into like a, a music studio. It was pretty cool, actually. Yeah, it was the first time that I've ever seen electronic drums. He had like a little. I think it was like a little Marshall amp, and it was like you know one of the little one by twelve or whatever it was, and I was like. We're gonna hear this, but then realizing it was an electric drum set, you you can turn the volume down. Everything was weird. It was like rocking at a very low level, low volume. It was so bizarre. But I could actually hear myself sing, and that's you know that's a rare thing too, you know, especially performing. Usually you can't hear yourself, but you know, and I know Mike at the time, uh, you know, he loved it because he could hear himself too. But. <laughs> I remember sitting in that garage with you guys, literally sitting because I'm a drummer, so I'm sitting down, and we would just bang out for hours, dude. Like, we would just, like, oh, rock yeah. out and, and go crazy and go over things in thorough detail. But what I liked about what we were doing is we were definitely, you know, uh, 
getting together our chemistry as a band and oh, also yeah. challenging ourselves. Like, this is the reason why I wanted to always drum for Hereafter, and in particular, your guitar parts and your music orchestration is because it's challenging. I love challenges. I used to be a boxer. I like things that are, like, not always smooth. And when I started playing with you guys, when I had to learn the first demo, that was very hard, very difficult. And then I did it. And then we started writing behind these walls, and it was like, oh, man. And then we'd done so much, so much other stuff over the years and the thing I want to really talk about is the modern thing that's going on right now. We just dropped an album called Burn It Down. You guys can find it on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, wherever fine, you know, digital download audio is, is available, YouTube, whatever. Yep. And we dropped this album. It's kind of like a call and response to what's going on with society nowadays. We, we all have things built up, whether it's quarantine whether it's all these things going on and newest guys, I don't have to even go there. You all watch it. You know, you see what's happening. So this is kind of our response to it. Bill, let's talk about Burn It Down, the album we just did. Uh, what's your thoughts about the first track, the title track, Burn It Down? Well, I mean, it started with the riff. I mean, I, that's pretty much, I think I, when I started writing it, I just picked up the guitar and was just messing around and, I came up with this this riff and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And you know, I just started recording it. And um, you know, it wasn't until I got to doing the vocals that I realized it was pretty aggressive. <laughs> like, you know, I just to me, it's a guitar riff. I'm just playing this this riff. I'm like, hey, riff sounds cool. And then I started putting the vocals down. And I was like, I've never done anything like this where I'm not. I, you know, I don't scream. I don't have that capability of the screaming. But it was a little bit more um, forceful than than usual for me and like when you listen to it it definitely sounds more raw which which i you know which i kind of like because that's my style i don't you know i'm i'm i sing i taught myself how to sing and i did take some vocal lessons in college but mostly what i got from that were more of um, practice techniques and how to learn how to control it more but when i i guess i'm forcing it a little more you don't have as much control so it was it was definitely different for me and it was definitely um, harder. It was a lot heavier than, you know, I enjoy heavy music. I love Seven Dust. I love, you know, I like stuff like that. And then trying to write something like that for me in the past has never really worked. Like, and, I, and two, being a big fan of Rush and Dream Theater, trying to write music like that for me also hasn't exactly worked. You know, as um, I believe it was Tom or Jerry, I know it was Jerry that said it when we first started um doing imagination when we were recording it he goes you know we're just not as you're not as progressive as you think you are <laughs> which i you know to this day i still i remember that and it's funny because it, to me it doesn't matter like it, it's not the, it's not the point of trying to be progressive it's just the point of just trying to write whatever music that comes out of me i mean then if it happens to be progressive which some of it is i mean some of it has hints of progressive music um, this album definitely isn't as progressive as the last one, but it has moments, you know, which is great. But again, not my point, you know, I'm not trying to do that. So I know I'm getting off topic, but yeah, burn it down. No, no, you're right there on the topic because I was actually going to mention Time. Another album we released recently was more, I'm going to say singer-songwriter, but there are progressive elements on that album and we play our asses off. We have a couple instrumentals, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I'll pat you on the back because you're my boy. But, <laughs> no, there, there's moments where it's like I even told you before on that album, 
where I'm like, I don't, it's like bill time. I don't even know what it is, man. Well, you mean time signature? I had to figure, I had to figure out some of them too. Cause you know, I was like, um, cause I, I try to notate the stuff that I do just because I like to have a record of it because, you know, sometimes you, you might not come back to a song for a couple of years and it's like, yeah, I can listen to it and try to remember it by ear. And, you know, sometimes it's like riding a bike and sometimes it's like, what the hell did I play? And like, I know what I played and I'm like, is that the way I played it? Or did I play it on a, you know, so I write it down this way. I know, okay, it was, it was on, it was on the 12th fret, you know, cause there's what, like seven different ways to play the same note on the guitar. Exactly. <laughs> You know, so for people listening, this is our newest record. The last one we just did, um, we actually released one prior to this that was written earlier. It can be kind of confusing, yeah. but the bottom line is we got a lot more coming out. We got things that we've done in the 2000s that we just re-recorded. It's all that, older. <laughs> yep. And, and I love it. I love all of it. But this one in particular, I love the emotion. And you mentioned the heaviness. The yeah. rawness, it's a little different for us. Like we start off kind of aggressive and yeah. let's send it up to burn it down, brother. All right, here we go. Try to run, I can't escape this hell I'm in I sacrifice this leading life It's all else in this cold heart It beats for you, it's caving in I trusted you, you sold me out Where well, so Lying on the bed You made inside your head Here you are, you are the star I never realized the first I just in turn, you feel the burn, it's last all night You deviate, you hesitate, another lie Like giving in where we begin, you will not win Your soul will burn, you'll never learn to let me in Another day, another way to see this through We must unite and never fight to get through Blind leaders cry, more people die This won't end until we learn to let things go And make a name Lying on the bed you made inside your head Here you are, you are the star I never realized the first you are. Who are you? I thought I knew you're not the one You're not the same, it's just a shame It's in your door I thought you'd live, got more to give Your time's not done This is the end, you were my friend Now I walk Just to watch it all burn down 
never should have trusted you. What the hell have you done now? I throw myself into the flames just to watch it all burn down. I never should have trusted you. What the hell have you done now? Throw myself into the flames Just to watch it all burn down I never should have trusted you What the hell have you done now? Throw myself into the flames Just to watch it all burn down I never should have trusted you what the hell have you done now? I throw myself into the flames Just to watch it all burn down Okay, so from my experience as the drummer that's getting sent these files from Bill Because we do things, you know, over the internet, communications and stuff And uh, emails I was like, God Damn, that's fast. <laughs> I was like, and I had to like actually like work myself out and stretch, like almost like I was doing an uh, an aerobic exercise to get myself in shape to go and work out or box or something. And this thing was so quick, and the next one's even faster. So the first two tracks, guys, are just like I'm like, what, did Bill do some coke or something? This is so quick. <laughs> Well, um, it's funny tell me about the song, bro. Yep. I was going to say, what was funny is when I wrote the riff, it wasn't that fast. And then, like, when I started recording it and, and like, I was trying to set it to a, uh, like, not a click track, but like a like a fake drum track that then I could, I usually take it out and send it to you, you figure out. Like, because I like it when you, you figure out your own drum parts, but, you know, I was like, it's too slow. So, like, I, I bumped it up and I was like, and even as I'm trying to play the riff, I'm like, this is fast. I'm like, you know, I had the same thing. I had to adjust because it was not easy. I mean, oh which is, man, because oh, I mean, the riff doesn't sound like it's that difficult. It's not that difficult of a riff. It's just at that speed, you know, it makes it a little bit, you know, tricky. Very fast. And, and I got to give a nod to my great drum instructor, Dino Calicari, back home. My man showed me everything that I know about the drums. I mean, obviously, my father also had a huge influence on my music playing. And obviously, you did too, Bill. Like, you know, every musician I worked with. But yeah. there's one there's one fill that happens um, at the end of each verse to go into, like, kind of the chorus would be. And yeah. it goes dot, 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 dot. So I was working on this fill, and then... You know, Dino had showed me that fill. It's all singles. Boom, ba boom, ba 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 boom. And then he's like, he told me to double up, double it up, make it a roll. I'm like, make that a roll? You want <laughs> me to put it to a 30 second note? And you know, so I'm like, do I'm like, oh man. And I'm clipping hi hats and cymbals. And you know, if he had not shown me that fill prior to during my learning process with him, and all those little things I do, we'll talk about innuendos later because there's a couple of things about drumming that happen on this album that are very subtle, but that are a call to all the great musicians, in particular, my my drum, I call him my drum master, my drum <laughs> Jedi, Dino Caligari, one of the best drummers ever on the planet. So let's move into The Waiting, which is track number two, and it's fire and it's fast. <laughs>
Okay, your thoughts on this song. <laughs> well, all right. So, yeah, it's heavy. Um, a lot of the – well, vocally, because I was like – after I wrote the music, I was like, how the hell am I singing to this? Because, you know, I don't scream or anything. So I was like, this one's even heavier than the first one, and the first one was kind of aggressive. So what I did – I'm a big fan of um, Faith No More, like a lot of people are. And uh, I kind of I, I kind of looked to Mike Patton a little bit and – you know, I really like what he did vocally in a lot of his stuff. But he has such a um, huge range. You know, I, I 
range. My my voice is you know more tenor, but not uh, I don't I can't get you know super high or anything like that. So I, I kind of like took a little bit of um, you know influence from Mike Patton, and I have a little bit of like you can hear some of the uh, vocal inflections at some of the end of the lines where I have that little uh, I don't even know what he does, but it's a weird weird thing he does, and I always loved it. So I kind of I was like, oh, I could try that, you know, and, and it kind of worked. And I, I toned it down a little bit because I think in the original recording. I went a little nuts with it and you know it was the first time i went through it and i was like all right i gotta fix it but i liked uh you know faith no more as an influence on the vocals on that and uh the lyrics of course my obsession with time hence the last album called time just like the whole thing is life is short and um you know it's always a lovely topic but <laughs> you know death in the end and you know it's sort of an obsession when I got that track sent over to me, uh, you know, you had pretty much mapped out the drum pattern. And yeah. I loved it. I loved the whole design of it. I'm like, I totally agree with it. And what I liked about it the most was the challenge. Because there were certain fills you put in certain places that I usually wouldn't do. Okay. Yeah. Now, the patterns that I played uh, would be similar patterns. They would have been right on. But some fills, I was like, but I love challenges. There was one fill in particular before the second verse it, that comes like, and it fits perfectly, but it's at like the half measure and it's very fast and it's very busy. Yeah. And that's kind of like a little bit out of my character as a drummer, my characteristics. And I loved it. I was like, I got to figure this out. And I remember sitting down and going over this thing over and over again and also being exhausted from doing the other parts. Because oh, yeah. the beginning, dan, 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 you know, it's so fast and so quick. And my double bass, I was like, oh, man, my legs are on fire right now. When I was done recording that song, I was exhausted. <laughs> I was totally yeah. exhausted. It's, it's hard. I mean, especially on a guitar standpoint for picking, it's, it's so fast. It's just it's a lot of down picking. And, you know, after a while, your hands do cramp up. I mean, especially in a recording situation where you're not literally just playing through the song once. You're playing through it literally, you know, fifty to a hundred times because you want it to be perfect and you know exactly. a yep. lot of a lot of editing, but it's you know, but to play it back, um, you know, I've I've run through it daily as like a as like a practice because it's the it's like um, stamina, you know, building stamina. Well, yeah, it's it's also muscle memory. I tell all my students that I teach, I tell them like you know, it's all about repetition. Yeah. You know, some people will try to do something five hours a day, one day a week. I'm like, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you got to do it like an hour a day, every day, five of oh, these yeah. six days a week, or at least, you know, cut it to a half hour if it's too much for you mentally to focus. Like, just cut it to a half hour at least every single day. Repetition, muscle memory. Yeah. And that's all this really is. And every single time I go back and try to play some of these songs, I'm like, oh, man. I got to play this a lot more because, you know, they're not exactly very easy to play, people. That's what we're trying to say. Yeah, so the, the, yeah, the yeah. first couple are, are rough. I mean, the rest of them are, you know, they're, they're toned down a little bit, but I but I like them musically. I feel like, you know, as songs, they're, they're strong. And that's like, for me, I've always prided myself on um, more songwriting. You know, I grew up as a guitar player. I, I idolized guys like Marty Friedman and... Zach Wilde and John Petrucci naturally and you know and Steve Vai and Joe Satriani and all those guys and I still love those guys but like I knew that like for me 
you know, even though I could, you know, I could play a lot of that stuff, but I just wasn't, it's not my voice. Like no matter how much I tried to, to do music like that, it just, it never worked that way for me. I, I actually wrote a couple like instrumental albums just to like try and do stuff like that. It's the most melodic crap <laughs> like you'll ever hear. There's like barely any guitar solos. I'm like, isn't that the point of it? But no, I, I'm more of a songwriter and like, I, I enjoy that, you know? So like, I think that's what got me into singing as well is because I grew up with like Billy Joel and, you know, I, I always had my dream theater and I always had Megadeth and Metallica and, you know, all those guys. And I loved that stuff growing up as a kid, you know, Pantera. And um, just now older, like once I got to college, I kind of started to, to like focus more on writing because I felt like I got more enjoyment out of that. Like I love playing guitar solos, but for me, it almost feels like a, um, like just something I just throw in a song. Like when I was a kid, we did every song had a guitar solo, and I was just like, you know, that it felt like it had to be that way. But you know, as I got older, I realized it does it serve the song, and a lot of places it doesn't. So a lot of our songs you'll notice don't have guitar solos. I mean, I, I didn't do that on purpose. It's just when I write it, it's just I never really find. I never like go, oh, I need to put a guitar solo in here. I'll listen to it and I'll be like, oh, you know, we sound really cool here, a guitar solo. And then, you know, I'll, I'll introduce one. But occasionally, a lot of songs don't or just. just well, and the thing is, I think you're fantastic at guitar solos. So does my boy Johnny Zika, you know, or Zika. He's always correcting me because I always fuck <laughs> up his name. So, but that's my boy, you know. Uh, but what I like about this album in particular is that it's very eclectic. Like we do a little bit of Slayer, a little bit of Blink-182, and you yeah. guys are going to hear all that. A little bit of Vince Sevenfold. We're all over the place. But that's what that's why we're the musicians that we try to be is that yeah. I love reggae. I love hip-hop. I love rap. I love everything. I love metal, hard rock, anything that's good. Anything that's good. Oh, yeah. And, I, mean, I grew yeah. up on all kinds of stuff. I mean, I – I played with the guy, um, Chris Opperman, who is a fantastic, um, he's like an avant-garde songwriter, he's very Frank Zappa-ish, and, you know, he's a protege of Frank Zappa, and he worked wow. with Mike Keneally, yeah, he worked with Mike Keneally, and uh, awesome guys, and, like, I got to play with him in college, which was an amazing experience, because he would just put music in front of me, and it was, like, the craziest stuff you'd ever see, it was in, like, bizarre time signatures, and... And I had to like double. There was a marimba player, this girl Trish, and she was oh god, she was insane. And like <laughs> he's like, well, you're gonna be playing what she's playing. And I don't know if you've ever seen a marimba player play. They sight read. Yeah, they no, sight read like everything is natural. Like she's playing insanely fast sixteenth notes, but she's sight reading it. And I'm like, I, I got to do this. So I like I had to really learn that stuff. And as fun as it was, I was like, you know, it's. I loved it, but it's not, you know, it's not my style. And I enjoyed it because it was so different. The challenge, like you say, I love a challenge. And, you know, like I said, growing up with like Billy Joel and my dad was into Boston and Europe. And, you know, I grew up listening to Toto and, you know, all those those bands. It was always about the songs. And I, that's kind of what I, you know, that's what I got from it. And, and like, even though, you know, my, I would, my songs will never touch those songs with a, you know, with a 10 foot pole, but <laughs> I, you know, I, but that's what I, I, that's where I draw my inspiration from. I draw, I draw that stuff from, from there, from those experiences, from what my, you know, what my dad showed me queen and, you know, and then I, 
and then I, des- I developed a passion for blues music, which is, you know, as a guitar player, I'm like, oh, I should, I should listen to blues. But when I got more out of the blues music, wasn't the guitar, it was the vocals, the, the soulful, uh, mm-hmm. the singing, the, the melodies, the lyrics. Um, I know you just had um, Keaton Simmons on the other day, and I, I was watching the, uh, you, you had actually sent me a, uh, a link of one of his concerts he did. And, oh, my God, I was blown away. Like, he has that bluesy, soulful, that singing. And, and like, I wanted to write something like that. I just, I still have He's it. a natural, man. Yeah, like, he has that natural. Yeah, he's a natural, dude. And to have him on was great. You know, his stepfather, the legendary actor, Eric Roberts. Oh, my God, on my show. How awesome was that? You know? And also to become, <clears throat> excuse me, great friends with his family and friends. Yeah. To have him come on and perform too was stellar. Yeah, yeah it's awesome. I mean, he's he, like I said, he's got he's got that that natural soulful voice, which is awesome. And like, you know, it took me. I mean, when I first started singing in Hereafter, there were a couple times, and I know you know the guys aren't always happy to hear me say it, but there were a couple times when they actually came to me and said, you know, we're we're thinking about looking for another singer because, you know, you just don't, it just doesn't work. And, you know, it was at the beginning and, you know, I know I wasn't great as a singer. I just had, I had a lot of work to do, you know, and that's why I kind of took vocal lessons in college and I just, I kept at it, you know, it was just being told that, you know, you're not the guy for the, for the, you know, the guy for the job was, it was heartbreaking. And I think that's kind of where Mike kind of stepped in and Mike kind of started singing. And But I never stopped. I just kind of, did it on my own and that's kind of why all the songwriting it's singer songwriter because i focus a lot on vocals and a lot of it was because um you know i i had that being told that i wasn't good enough i guess kind of pushed me more to, to to focus more on it and um you know obviously i've worked at it pretty hard it's been i don't know how many years since that <laughs> since that uh that conversation we had but I hope I've, I've hope I've gotten better, but um... well, I think you've certainly gotten better. And this song is a great indication. Track number three, "We All Will Fall," <laughs> which is probably the happiest title of all time. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, let's roll it out. Let's roll it out. This one's a good one. I like this one a lot. <laughs>
Hello. Hello. <laughs> hello, hello. Were we able to finish the song? Yeah. I don't know if uh, it went Okay. Through. As long as it went through, that's all that matters. Good news <laughs> is I can always edit. So <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> exactly. So no worries on that. Great song. Um I, I love the tool type verse. Yep. I always have a little bit of seven in me and a little bit of five mm -hmm. sometimes. Uh <laughs> sometimes some other stuff, but yeah, seven. Uh, there's a lot of tool. There's that uh, that song, and one of the other ones you're gonna hear a little bit later has has a little bit a little bit of tool in it as well. Um, and rush, you know, just a little bit of. <laughs> but a yeah, bit of everything that that's us in general. I mean, everything. That's, like, that's I keep my saying that people. That's yeah. <laughs> but when we get to certain songs later, I'm gonna mention artists that people are gonna be like, "Wait, what? That was your influence for that song?" I'm like, "Yeah." That yeah. was my influence, you know, uh, because I listen to so much different music and we do. And that's how people should do it. Listen to everything. Be open minded. You yeah. know, even like recently, you know, I got into country. I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> a funny story, because my girlfriend's in the country and country music, to my knowledge, for the most part, is about blue collared, paying your bills, going to work, showing up, you know, being a man, doing all this type of stuff and getting laid. And drinking. So I'm like, I love it. It's so good. <laughs> and you mentioned the blues before. You know I'm a huge blues guy, man. So I love, I love everything. But the next one we have coming up is one of my personal favorites ever. Okay. This song, I love the opening chords. I'll go to war is just straight up one of my favorites. So I'm going to let it just to work do its job right here, guys. Check it out.
Chorus is my favorite part. I will tell I'll tell you about my experience about this song. First of all, I had Johnny Rambo toe. The bass <laughs> drum, geez, for whatever reason, I felt like filling that thing up. Because <laughs> when I feel emotion, my legs start to yeah. kick in. You know, I do, I do the same thing. And I don't play yep. drum. <laughs> <laughs> it's the honest and God truth. Um, that song was written with Tom. Who was an yeah. original member of Hereafter, right? Yeah, the bass player. Yeah. He um has gone on to do a bunch of other musical things. He did uh, uh he was in a band called Burning Adam and a uh, bombing bombing Adam. Bombing Adam and then another band called um Blacktop. That was the other one. And it was like, you know, he had gone through different phases of music that he loved and you know, he that's why he kind of stopped playing with Hereafter is he wanted to do with some other stuff and um, he wanted to do more like the pop punk kind of stuff, which which he loved, and he started playing guitar as well. So, which I thought was cool, um, you know, because I always knew him as a bass player, but then he just started playing guitar. And um, the coolest thing is now we still play together. He, I live maybe eight, literally eight minutes from him, which is awesome. And um, we occasionally get together and we just jam on acoustic guitars and we still write stuff. I mean, some of the songs on this album we wrote together. Uh, Tom and I, uh, this wasn't one of the ones we sat down and wrote together. This one, he came over one day and he was like, I have this riff. He's like, we got to do something with this. And he showed me, it was just that, it was the intro. Which ended up you know, being the main rhythm for the song. But he um, was doing this little riff and that was it. It's all he showed me. So I recorded it and I was like, all right, man, I'll work on it. So within like maybe a week or two, he came back over and I had written the whole whole song based off of just that intro. And basically it was just um, the vocal part that I sing. 
and then Tom was like, I wrote a um, a vocal part for the chorus. I'm like, all right. I was like, but I have a vocal part for the chorus. He's like, well, he goes, we can probably add my part in. I was like, right, I hope it works because that'd be kind of cool. And he did it, and I was like blown away. I was like, oh, my God. Like, his part is it's so good. Very and it, powerful. Yeah, and it's so necessary to the song. Like, it's it's cool. It's exactly like what you said before, a call and response. And that's exactly what that is. Like, I have my part, and then he has the response about... Um, yeah, the and, sense of urgency in his voice. Yeah. You know? Yeah, <laughs> you really feel an immediate reaction to something. Yeah, right and there, the song you know? really does cover a lot of what's going on now, like with the media and how mm-hmm. we're being like led down a path and um, it's their path, you know? So the media decides what we see and how it affects us, you know, like um, not getting into politics, but I'm just saying it's a dark road. So I, that's kind of what the song is about. It's about being led down a, um, a road that you have no, you have no control where you're going. So it's Absolutely. About- it's Absolutely. about the, the people, I guess, uh, rising up and, and fighting back, not taking it anymore, But which is pretty much what's happening. <laughs> so, Does it Rage Against the Machine make more sense nowadays than ever? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Tom Morello is a genius, I and mean, he always was. But And when I found out – oh, man, I was in high school. When I found out that he, had went, that he went to Harvard, and I was like, What? He went to Harvard, and I think at the time he was um, when Rage was was huge in the beginning in the nineties. Yeah. I think he was in his forties then, and I was like, "Wow, man, the dude is so well established, knows his stuff." Uh, you know, he's one of those. Oh people. yeah, he's brilliant. I mean, he's, he's a political when, science major. When yeah. Rush did the uh, Hall of Fame induction ceremony with Dave Grohl and Foo Fighters oh, and Tom Morello on stage, what Alex <laughs> Lifeson. You know, I think Chris Cornell was up there even. Like, what is going yeah, on? Yeah, yeah. Like, that's like a face-melting moment. So speaking about face-melting, we were talking about guitar solos before. Oh, yeah, yeah. On this song coming up, Memoirs, you got a guitar solo, bud, and it's yeah, badass. It's badass. <laughs> let's, let's roll it out. Let's roll it out.
favorites bro that we did on this thing the ending and just that guitar solo dude <laughs> the phrasing i had a hard time i had a hard time with that song for a couple of reasons one um i wrote it a long time ago first of all and it was one of those songs that i had started writing and just never finished it and it was like we we started working on well i had written burn it down first and then the waiting and i was like how the hell am i following this up and like <laughs> i started going into like my some of my stuff that i had and i'm like is this any songwriter does i have like a folder of just old music that just i never did anything with and i'm like you know maybe just some, like a cool riff or something in there and i do that a lot and i found this song and i'm like you know it was you know i felt like i liked it at, at the time i wrote it and then i think i um I presented it to John when we were in Seven Wiser, and I thought maybe John would would like it. And he, you know, John John's like, hey, you know, it's just not our our style. And I was like, all right, well, I'll just kind of keep it in that folder, and it'll just chill there for a while. And well, I'm glad you did. <laughs> well, I mean, like the, the the crazy thing is, I mean, the old stuff that I wrote is basically the verse, and that was pretty much it. I only wrote the verse and the intro, and that was it. And um, you know, I added the chorus and the bridge, which you know, I, I liked that bridge um, so much that I at one point thought I would just I was going to make it its own song. And I was just like, you know, it's just not going to work. It was it's like when you write the song kind of writes itself. You have to kind of go where the song takes you. And that like the bridge was kind of presented in, in a way that it just needs to be there. Like, <laughs> like I like the bridge. It's my favorite part of the song. And I wanted to like like I said, to utilize that. But. It just it needs to be there. So yeah, I, I like all of the song. It's one of my favorites that we've done for unique reasons because I hear a lot of everything that we can do. I hear a lot of uh, all of our influence. You know, yeah. uh, I hear a lot of Nirvana, Weezer. Yeah. I hear guitar yeah. solos. I hear great playing on your behalf. 
maybe okay on my behalf if people like it great thank you you know like there's a lot going on in that song and it's it's uh it's cohesive is the word i'm looking for with all that hybrid you know because yeah. when you have when you have so much going on but it's it's very simple at the same time and pretty much on the next track we get a little bit simple here this life yeah. we kind of chill it out a little bit and then after that you know we're gonna rock out with you know what's out <laughs> this is this is a good one too I, I really like this song a lot very different for us and uh roll it out Yeah. 
I wish I had a lighter during the bridge, <laughs> but nowadays I vape. So I don't have lighters anymore because I don't smoke cigarettes anymore. I just do the vape because that bridge, it makes me just want to do that lighter thing. And uh, let, let me say this, that, that chorus reminds me of what Neil Peart said about a song. And I will never compare myself, guys, to Neil Peart, never in a million years. But he had a song that he recorded, Half the World, and he told me, oh, um, yeah. not told me, but he told the audience um, directly that he had a hard time keeping the tempo because the chorus had a weird feel to it. And this guy played Natural Science, La Villa, Strangiato, all this kind of stuff. And I've done stuff with you that were so complicated. We're in like, you know, 15 time yeah. and then 17 time and then go into three and go to six. When I got to the chorus of this song, I was like, I don't know what the fuck to do. I have to use that word. No, even when, even when we recorded it, like <clears> uh, <throat> listening back, something didn't sound right. And I was like, it just it seemed like it was off and I had to like, I had to go in and I had to go back and re-record it a couple of times. And it was the timing. It was just, yeah, it was, it was a weird, it was a, a awkward timing, but, but it worked. It, it ended yeah. up being great. I love the way the chorus hits. Dun, 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 Cause I get it now, like hindsight being 2020 and have to learn the process of the part. But I was like, I was stuck. I was like, bill brother. I, I don't know what to do. Here we go. with The bill time again. Yeah. You know, like, I'm like, I don't know what to do here. <laughs> like, it's one of those rare occasions because, like, for example, you know, a couple songs that we've done recently, like the overture, you know, on time and stuff, that is very complicated. And there's a lot of textures and layers to it. Yeah. I, I, I jump on it. Like, you know, I love it. And then there's sometimes the little subtleties are the hardest part. I mean, the, hard, the hardest thing for me, um, not talking about the, um, you know, the, the theory of the music, but the song, when I wrote the song, I was very depressed about um, the fact that, you know, growing up, like most of us want to become famous musicians and, and, and play in these big bands. And it's, it's not about the money. It's about the, the, um, the ability to play in front of thousands of people and for people to actually care about what you're doing and listen to you and things like that it's almost like the song was like a realization that it just, it's just not going to happen. So like, <laughs> I kinda, that's what it is. So it, it's like a, a look back and that I don't regret it. And that I'm not, I'm not upset about it. I was, but I think this was my way of um, like a little, like a diary, I guess you, where you write down what you're, you know, you're feeling and whatever. And it's just a way for you to kind of make peace with it, you know? And I feel like the song was that for me, you know, we, we both have jobs and you know, we work full time. I have a family and it's difficult to, to do things. Um, especially in this day and age, the music industry is just, it's a mess. It's like a free for all. But the idea of what we do is just the ability for us to make music and literally just put it out. And like, you know, I hope people like it. I hope people want to listen to it. You know, I hope people get to hear it at least you know, to make a decision if they like it or not, you know, I'm not trying to make money, you know, we're not really going to probably make crazy money doing this. So reality is we're doing this because we want to do it. It's fun. It, it's a voice and it's an outlet. Like same thing with my podcast, same thing what I do with music, you know, yeah. it's a release. We, are, like you said, we have jobs, but yeah. this is something that we're very passionate about. And oftentimes, bro, I'm not going to lie. I'll come in and do a drum track in between, like doing lessons and yeah. 
you know, going to work and doing whatever I got to do and taking care of like the kid at the home, you know, and then even with the podcast, sometimes, dude, I've literally done podcasts while taking a shit because that's the only (laughs) I had to take a shit and do a show. So it's like it's happened before. And I swear, and no disrespect to the guest that was on, they were great. We had a great time, but I had to take a shit and I had to do a show, you know, (laughs) and maybe they could call it a shit show. All right, so this was not a shit show. Compromise. The <laughs> next track was, and I, I, I'm going to say this a lot. There's a lot of tracks on here that I love. They're some of my favorites we've ever done. But Bill, anytime I do a song with you, um, you know, I, I'm just I'm thankful to do it, and I love working with you, bro. Let's roll out. Compromise. Keep it at 100%. I'm going to tell you from a drummer's perspective, when I heard this song, I was very excited. I liked the upbeat tempo. I thought immediately of Blink-182, Travis Barker. And it's, you know, just giving credit where credit's due. 
Um, a lot of it had to do with the song Damn It from back in the day from Blink. The yeah. uh, Going from the cut time to standard time or, if you will, halftime. Um, I wanted to go with those layers. And I love this song. When you sent it to me, I got so excited, bro. What was your motivation to write this song? Well, um, this was one of the songs that Tom and I wrote in his garage, actually, on acoustics. And um, he had another song that he had written, um, which had a very pop-punk feel to it. And that's kind of the direction you know that I went with it. It's just different. You know, I haven't written anything like it before. So as a writer... I enjoy doing things I, have, I haven't done before. You know, it's just, I don't want all of, all of my songs to sound the same. You know, it's just I wanted to experiment with a little bit of a different style. And, you know, it had like a little bit of an upbeat thing. It was actually a little bit longer and I cut it um, because it just felt like it was it was dragging on too much. So, you know, just wanted to keep it keep it real. And like as a pop punk song which it probably isn't, but yeah. <laughs> the inspiration came from that. Um, it's They're short. Those songs are short, you know? So, like, th this was cool because, you know, we we had songs we've written that are 20 minutes long, and this album, all the songs are just normal length. I mean, four minutes at most. None of them are more than four, I don't think. Uh, yeah, so we like, have songs that go 20 minutes, sometimes 10, sometimes yeah. 15. And you guys hopefully will be listening to those songs in the future um, <laughs> behind these walls coming out. And, uh, you know, we got so much more uh, music that we've been doing. And and I love those songs, too, and they, they work. And I can't wait to break those down. We should do this for every album that we've done <laughs> because there's so much I want to talk about. And this song in particular coming up next, Desire. I'm sorry, Bill, go ahead. No, I was going to say, if for nothing else, if people don't feel like sitting through and listening to our nonsense, which is fine, uh, <laughs> it, it's there. You know what I mean? It's almost like if you buy a DVD and you have the commentary. So if somebody wants to know about the songs, if you're watching this, then thank you. And it's, uh, this is why we're doing it. I mean, right. it's not, I'm not, we're not trying to be self-serving or anything like that. It's just... We really love music for what it is, and this is the perfect uh, forum for us to yeah. talk about. So, yeah. for me, this next song coming up, "Desire," like Bill sends me songs, and I listen to them, and you know, obviously, some I like more than others, but I love all of them. I love being a part of it. And over the past couple of years, I've been a part of great songs with Bill, where I'm very happy to play on this one for whatever reason as well just sparked something in me this song called desire and it, i just loved putting a drum performance together i loved the uh the creativity that went into the song it's very different from us and maybe that's why i liked it and i'm not trying to say i don't like it brother but oh, no, you know because i'm always expecting to be like okay i'm gonna do seven three twelve you well, know this, like, this is like, one of the older songs that i wrote uh, on acoustic and I wrote it oh man probably in like 2001 wow. and it's been it's been it's been sitting around for a while and every time I've I've showed it to somebody they like it so I'm like I got to do something with it so this was kind of my way of taking it and turning it into like a rock song so it was awesome to send it to you and to hear what you came up with drum wise you know because I always love doing that because I have so many songs that I feel like will probably never see the light of day so when i have a song that's like oh this song is you know th this is a strong 
song, I got to send it to John and then see what see what you come up with, which is always fun because it's like, you know, it's like sending somebody a, a, a picture and then they get to color it and then they send it back and it's like, oh, I, I didn't <laughs> think, you know, I was just, it's the giving you your creative freedom as well and, and to see what you can do with what I've given you. It's so weird when I got that song. I, I remember specifically, I went to Deftones first. I channeled my Deftones guy, and then I, I heard Peter Gabriel. I heard like you know, just trying to play some Tom Tom work, and like I go through so many different like categories. Like when we played the the waiting earlier track number two, that was like Dave Lombardo Slayer automatically yeah. or at the gates like you know yeah. there's there's always a hat you put on like neil Peart always says you put on a hat but what i like about your music you make me put on like five different hats i'm, I'm like, like <laughs> <laughs> i'm like where, i gotta put this hat on that's where i'm progressive not like you know i'm not as as um crazy as dream theater with the the time signatures and the, i am occasionally but but where i get where i get progressive is in the styles i i change the styles up and I don't do it on purpose. It's just I write whatever I feel like writing or whatever's there, and that's what comes out. So if, if you know, the next album, there's a blues song on it, that's there's That's what I love is that you make me be able to be like all these different facets of the drumming style. You know, there's no limitations. You know, yeah, I can I mean, do – exactly. And it will always have my style to it, so it will always sound like it fits. It's, not, it's never going to sound like – that song is out of place because, you know, it's just even though it has those elements of maybe it'll have elements of blues, but it will still be, you know, pure after rock, you know, whatever. It's just that's just it's that's like that's your voice, you know. I mean, bottom line is, you know, the nuts and guts are going to come out at some point every single yeah. time. <laughs> I, like right, heavy, I like heavy music. So <laughs> let, let, let's roll this one out. This is one of my favorites, guys. Desire. Enjoy.
Probably one of the first fade outs I did. <laughs> I love the fade out. And I, I want to say this like, we were talking about other drummers that I was influenced by doing that song. Phil Collins, the drummer. Oh, yeah. To do, 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 do. I, I'll, I'll be the first person to tell people when I rip someone off, but it's a compliment <laughs> to them. Like, yeah, of course. but I did it in a different way. I put like a little double kick in there. So it's like a do, 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 do. So it's not the exact same thing, but I just heard that like in the air tonight. Like yeah. I just heard that part. Ba boom, ba boom, ba boom, ba boom, boom, boom. And I, I remember, I, I think I just saw the hangover prior to oh, yeah. watching. Yeah. <laughs> I was watching that prior to recording that song. So it was kind of in my head. So I was like, you know, this is a great opportunity, man. Great song, Bill. Which is great cool. Song. I, thank you. Which is cool though, because I never would have known that if you didn't say, if you didn't tell me that. Because <laughs> <laughs> even though you say like, oh, you know, I'm ripping off another, no, like nobody would have heard that as, oh, that's in the air tonight. Like, <laughs> but if you listen to it, it's identical. Well, now I'm not going to not hear it. I'm going to hear it every time now. <laughs> so the next song, uh, this one, The Avenged. I love this. Uh, I loved your guitar part originally. We we talked about almost scrapping it, and I was like, no, dude, don't do that. Like, <laughs> this think, song is awesome. I think I had a hard time vocally with it. And, um, yeah, by some miracle, I pulled it out. And, <laughs> and the vocals ended up being you know, decent. So yeah, I think originally when I was talking about scrapping, it was because I didn't know what to do with it. Like I felt like it was one of those songs I didn't know how to put vocals to it. And then I was just like, you know, it, I do this a lot. And then I got to just kick myself in the ass and say, just, just do it, man. Just, just start doing something. If it doesn't work, do something else. And then, <laughs> so it's just like play around until you get something that you like. And I ended up, you know, liking it. And the, you know, the song being called the avenged, um, there is a lot of, uh, homage there to the obviously Avenged Sevenfold and and um, you know like uh, a lot of the nonsense that's going on in the world and it, it always comes up because you know it's whatever I'm thinking about that's what I'm going to write about so you know absolutely it, when I first heard you send it to me and you're like I, I'm not sure about this one I'm like no 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 <laughs> I'm pretty sure about this one being a kick-ass tune for you and like I said like this record I, I love what we were able to do and more importantly be a part of it and this song right here the way it just kicks off with this beautiful guitar part very reminiscent like you said I was talking about paying homage to artists that I love, you know, uh, Phil Collins and, and that last song having like about 70 different drummers jump <laughs> on board. You know, this one certainly is a little bit obvious up front, but we're not ripping them off. We're just, again, giving them credit. So roll this one I, out, man. 
I, I don't think I could rip them off. They're <laughs> <laughs> great They're, band. Great yeah, band. <laughs> yeah. Awesome, dude. The, the lead guitar part. Where'd that come from? Like, uh, oh boy, I don't even know. I it just, I don't even know. I just like when I started writing it, I was just, I threw in this little thing in the in the intro, and 
because I think originally it might in my mind it was going to be instrumental, and then <laughs> and then I, I remember just, you telling me that. Yeah, I yeah, that. that's why I was going to. That's why I kept saying we should scrap it because I didn't know what I was going to do with it. So I had that little that guitar thing in the beginning, and I remember thinking, and that was just like a scratch track I recorded, and like the feel of it was was different and i kind of liked it so i decided that if i was going to keep it i was going to keep this that was just the first take i recorded the guitar thing and that was just the way it came out well i'm also going to say this you know and unfortunately for selfish reasons my girlfriend heard me listening to it and she's a big avenge sevenfold fan and yeah. she's like oh my god i love that part i'm like yeah because it sounds like Avenged sevenfold <laughs> you know <laughs> i think that's pretty much the only part of the song that has any event sevenfold <laughs> right <laughs> exactly but those she guys are killer guitar players. So I mean, like. oh god, man, they they are amazing, amazing guitar players. And you know, speaking about you know guitar players and what you do on this next track here, bro. Um, you know, my world for Walter. I'm gonna let you take the lead on this in a moment. Yeah. I love the fact that you do a lot of things. It's got a lot of Chevelle type vibe, system of a down. But there, there, there's more outside of just musicians about this song. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Um, so. At the time that I wrote the song, like I guess we were in the in the middle of finishing this album, and um, I had not written lyrics for the song yet, so it was basically just the music. And it, I think as a joke, I, when I sent it to you, I called it like "Toolish Games" because I I do that sometimes. I give you I give you like weird titles, and they usually have something to do with whatever the influence of the song is. Um, but yeah, it was like my toolish song, so. I was kind of just sitting around. My mom called me and she told me that um, my old neighbor, my friend Walter, had uh, killed himself. And I was devastated. And um, when I found out what had happened, he, you know, was he was in the, um, the Marines, I believe, and, and he was, uh, you know, home and he was suffering from PTSD. And, you know, I know that's such a huge thing for a lot of, of, of our soldiers and not even just our soldiers, but just people have been through any kind of traumatic experience. And so I was like, you know, devastated naturally is my, my, he was my friend and my, my neighbor growing up for years. I lived in that house for 20 years and uh, we used to play hockey outside. And anytime we'd play out in the street, he would come down with his brother and they would play, you know, his brother, John, uh, who's an awesome guy. And we, we play together and he had a great family. He had a great, um, you know, his mother was awesome. Um, and his sister and, um, I don't know, I was just devastated. And I just felt like I, I just, that was what was happening in my life at the time. So I went into full research mode and I was reading up on PTSD and, you know, I'm nowhere near in any kind of expert, but, a lot of the things that I got from reading, you know, translated into my lyrics. And, you know, I wrote the song for him because, you know, also for other people who are suffering from the same thing. It's just a, it's a call to, you know, get help. If you feel like, you know, you're having those, any kind of PTSD, any kind of recurring thoughts or depression, you know, it's, it's most important thing to do is talk to somebody. And like the way I deal with things is writing, you know, it's not always music. Sometimes I write stories. Sometimes I write just, you know, um, just anything. I write a letter to, to nobody, but I have, it's just something I need to say. 
and I don't physically want to say it, I write it down. You know, that this that's what the song was. I was depressed. You know, I, I talked to John, his brother, about it. You know, I said, you know, would it be okay if I, you know, if I used his name on the song? And you know, he said, oh, of course. You know, he would, he would probably, he would have been honored. And I said, you know, of course. You know, um, it's. And I told him, I said, you know, it's just, it's for everybody. But you know, Walter, obviously, being my friend, this is why I titled it, you know, for Walter. But um, he had told yeah. me he was going to share it with his. Uh, you know, his, uh, his buddies, his army buddies. And, uh, you know, I don't know if he did, but, you know, I, I just, like I said, we write music because we love writing music. We hope mm-hmm. people get to hear it. We hope people like it. That's all you can do. I mean, some people may not like it. That's fine. But, you know, I just, this song I felt was, you know, I needed to write it. It was, it was powerful for me because of what I was going through and I'm sure what his family was going through and, you know, what he went through. So absolutely, man. Let's roll it out. This one's for Walter. Let's do it.
So impactful, uh, just so incredible in terms of the lyrics you came up with to describe someone that might be going through things that you were talking about. And, you know, I deal with combat sports world, and I know that there are people that are really messed up, you know, from uh, head trauma. Oh, and, yeah. oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And to hear something like this, it's like to go back and listen, like, you know, yes, I recorded on it. Yes, I know the song. Yes, I listened to it a thousand times trying to record it right. But to hear something like that really it chokes you up. It's like I don't even think about me playing the drums. I yeah. don't think I, I think about the person. I think about what that song means. Yeah, it and, was tough. It was tough to write, you know. Oh, man. You know, but a, a, a great job. And the next track, you know, luckily, um, you know, we're alive. And, and that's the name of the next track. And hopefully Walter's family is doing well, the best they can. And salute to all the soldiers. Like, I'm getting choked up. You can hear it in my voice. I'm going to say salute to all the soldiers out there and people of the world. Because, dude, not to sound corny, but I will, is that <laughs> this world is a fucking mess. And that's why we wrote this album and we started writing, you know, a couple of years back about yeah. this album. And a lot of it has to do with our reaction to the things that have transpired. Yeah. It's a big buildup of, it's a big buildup. Yeah. This has been building for a long time. I mean, this mm -hmm. years and years and years, but you know, you could feel the, the tension getting so thick now, like, to where, you know, if, if you go, I'm sure everybody knows, if you go online, you can see somebody is either uh, on one side or on the other. And there's like very few people in the middle or the people in the middle are just quiet because you don't hear, you don't hear from them, but you, you hear from people on one side and you hear from people on the other side. And it's just, it's insane. The, uh, like, <laughs> it's like people who were friends are no longer friends because, it's almost like another civil war, but it's wild. It's, it's it wild. Crazy. You know, it's, I get it. Like I get what a lot of these people are, are, you know, are fighting about and I understand and I agree with a lot of it, but it's, it's tough. I mean, it's to see what the the media is doing to it and how they're portraying it is it's tough. It really is. Um, I agree. I agree, man. And, and that's what this next song is about, is about staying alive. Yeah. Being fighting great. through it. There's Persevering. <laughs> We're fighters, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is like one of those, uh, it's, I'd never written like a motivational song and not that this one is a hundred percent motivational, but oh, it is. There's, there's some stuff in there, you know, the verses, which are a lot of, there's some dark stuff. <laughs> it's always dark stuff. <laughs> But yeah, it, it is one of the more more motivational things I've written. I mean, we're from New Jersey originally. There's always going to be dark stuff, like, <laughs> and we're Italian, so <laughs> you're always going to have the dark side a little bit. Yeah, yeah, you're always going to have a little bit of that aggression, like over here now with the hands. But this song, what I loved about it is that we 
did an album, and this is going to be a double shot, guys. This one is going to be full-on band, in which, let me tell you guys, Bill plays bass, guitar, piano, sings, does everything. All I do is show him and go like this, play the drums, okay? <laughs> Bill does everything. He writes the majority of the songs, um, actually all the songs. All I do is come up with a drum beat. Sometimes he even lays that out for me. This guy is one of my musical heroes. Bill, I, I, I have to say that. Like, I'm going to be real with you, bro. I'm going to be real. And so this song, when when we summed up this album that had so many different tones, uh, we started off angry and fucking pissed off telling people to burn shit down. And then the waiting comes up. And then we went through all these other, other tracks about compromising. And, you know, this one isn't really one of those, like, storybook albums, but it really is. Yeah, if because, you look at the title, yeah. there's a big metaphor behind it. Like, There's a metaphor here. Like, for me... Um, if you look at this life about how I so badly wanted to become a famous musician when I was a kid and, you know, as an adult too, it's just, it's always been a passion of mine, but I don't, I don't care about the fame part of it anymore. I've burnt, like burn it down is to like kind of release, you know, you release those, um, you know, those things that energy. Yeah. It's energy. Yeah. It's energy, man. It's aggression. It's energy. So with this one coming up, guys, you're going to get a double shot. We have a song called Alive. And then also Bill did a wonderful acoustic version of the song that I was very adamant about saying, dude, because that's how he presented me the song originally. And I almost didn't want to put drums to it. So for me, I go hard or I go home. I'm like, I'm either going to do a whole lot of shit or nothing at all. <laughs> you know. So when he gave me that song, I still felt that the acoustic version, which you'll hear in the follow-up, would be a great release as well and people would enjoy that for different reasons because of musical taste so yeah. let's let it roll Have I heard this line? You treat me 
<laughs> I'm going to tell you a couple things. L listening back to that song from a drummer's perspective, okay? I am trying to play subdivisions. <laughs> I'm giving away all my secrets in the verses from Neil Peart with the bell and hi-hat pattern with Toms. Um, the beginning pattern is Jeff Beccaro from Toto and Mushanga, right? And then I do a rumba pattern from also, I, I don't know if Jeff did that track, but from Steely Dan. A song called Blackjack and Do It Again. I'm always fascinated with Latin rhythms. That that's always been my thing as a drummer. I love, you know, tribal rhythms. I love African beats, Afro-Cuban rhythms. I'm always fascinated by it because you keep busy and I, I you know, I'm a very active person. So <laughs> no. <laughs> you don't <Yeah>. say. <laughs> yeah, you are. But no, I mean that it worked. I mean when I first heard it, I was like, this is not what I expected, like, would be there, but it works so well. And, like, the, yeah, that, that verse part, the subdivisions part, like, I, I freaking love that little, the hi-hat ride thing. It's all, it's such a cool little, you know, it is definitely a compliment to Neil, and I never would have realized that, but. Yeah, it, articulation, it. Yeah, like, like, articulation, like, you know, even on the last album we did with time, like, I pay a lot of. Uh, respect to Stuart Copeland and it's yeah. it's funny like you know people would say like I, I don't see that but you know I was always taught from my mentors to just do things when they feel right it doesn't matter the style of music just ah. if it feels right yeah so yeah. if you want to play a fucking jazz pattern go ahead and play a jazz pattern if it works it works yeah, as long as it works that's the key I mean yep 
Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. I mean, the whole halftime thing or the cut time it was pretty. It was awesome. Well, that that was your recommendation. You did go with that. Yeah, no that, was, that was, you know, I can't take the credit for that. <laughs> well, I mean, the the Tom pattern. I felt like it needed to 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 open up at one point. You know, at some point. So I, I was like, oh, so I think the first first chorus we did both. It was like half and half, and then the second chorus was all the toms, and the last chorus was just the cut. I agree. It was almost and, like a little, like a little hint. Here's what's gonna happen. Like, and and it, it, it was really great. And that's the one thing I, I gotta say, Bill, about the way we work. And and any musicians listening about how to work with someone for twenty years, you know, <laughs> and just do what we're doing from two thousand miles away. I'm in Vegas. He's in New Jersey. You yeah. know, and record music. If you wanna have an existence as musicians and have like some kind of like friendship is that you got to be willing to take, you know, constructive criticism. That's what I love about us. Like you'll tell me shit and I'll be like, all right, I agree with you. <laughs> Let's go with it. And I'll say, you know what? I, I, I think you should sing this song and you might be like, ah, oh, no, I don't feel like you, you can. And I'm like, no, you can, you know? So we have situations where we're pressing each other and that's brotherhood. That that's a that's a family. You know, we don't go to blows and you know strike each other or anything like that, guys. But it's important when you're working with a musician, a fellow musician, and to have longevity of over almost twenty years. Like you got to be able to talk to them and let them know their best suits and their worst, and let them know how to be the best musician they can be, and then therefore you'll get the best result. Well, it's like that with anything. Friends, my, you know, marriage, same thing. Yep, you know? exactly. And, yeah. and this, this, this is a segue into what I was saying to Bill oh. to release this song where Bill just plays acoustic guitar and sings. I love this. It's the same song you just heard, guys, but in yeah. a different way. Times 
I told you from day one that this is great the way it was, but I had somehow had to dump my drums on it and be like, okay, I got this, I got this. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it was always going to be a rock song to some extent anyway, but, you know, it, yeah, when I did it on acoustic, I write most of the stuff acoustically because, well, number one, it's easy. Like, I grab my acoustic guitar and I just start playing, and, like, it's easier to, cr to create stuff that way. Um, all of time... I wrote on the piano, which was which was weird, which was different for me because I, I had never really done that. So before. much fun that album. Like, was. As an album, yeah, it was, and I think that's why it has so much of the singer songwriter feel to it was because I wrote it all on a piano. You know, we like have a, to do that one next, the deep dive <laughs> into time because I got a lot of stories I want to tell you about that one, bro. Well, I wrote and, the whole I wrote the whole album on post-it notes. They're right here. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I want to say this, like what I love about what I heard from you know revisiting this album we just did is that I hear a lot of the great musicians that we worked with and we talked about great bands, but yeah. you know, think about it. Like you mentioned your boy, Tom, we talked about John Santos from seven wiser, Bobby Kimball. What The only thing that makes me sad about Bobby Kimball is I wish my dad was alive to see that, you know, that we actually worked with him. Bill, I got to share that the Toto. And like the fact that Bobby asked, you know, if it would be okay if he sang on one of our songs, I was like, "Is this a joke?" <laughs> like, I'm honored, dude. dude I, I'm in the same boat, and, and I I hate to chime in on you on oh. this because I I feel it too because I'm getting emotional about it. Is that my father uh, introduced me to Toto originally, and yeah. 
there was a pay-per-view concert back in the day. And he's like, listen, this guy sing. This guy's the greatest voice ever. And then next thing I know is that um, I'm in drum lessons with Dino, who I mentioned earlier. And he's putting on all these songs. And I can't put two and two together. But I said enough to understand, like, I like what I'm hearing in terms of, like, what I'm trying to play to. I'm like, what's that band? He's like, Toto. I'm like, what's that band that did that song? Toto, Toto. I'm like, wow, I guess I like Toto. (laughs) And then (laughs) I saw Bobby Kimball in New York City in 2004. And that was the most powerful voice I've ever heard. And when he did our track for us, I could not believe the projection. The power that guy has, man. Oh, my God. That's why I started taking vocal lessons. <laughs> because, you know, I want to be able to do that. But I know he has this natural ability. I'm sure he still works at it. But, oh, my God. Like, I think it was uh, something you showed me he did um, on piano. And he was oh. just playing piano and singing. Oh, God. Like, I mean, that's why he is who he is. That's why he has seven Grammys. I mean, the guy's freaking fantastic. His rhythm and his timing, and he's so humble about it too. You oh, know, yeah. he, he's so very humble about it. And it's such an approachable, just great guy. Yeah. But when he's doing his thing, like his phrasing and just the way he articulates things and his ability to play piano and sing at the same time effortlessly, like you said, naturally. Yeah, he's just a nat, And he has that soulful voice that I love. Oh. And that blues style. I just freaking love that. Like, I, you know... I think that's where, you know, when I sing, I get a little bit of the raspiness. It's from that, like, from listening to that style of music and wanting to sing like that. But I obviously don't have those chops, but my chops are a little different. But even still, like, growing up with that stuff is just like, and to see that it's, you know, it's real. Like, it's very real. It's very real. (laughs) Oh, man. It's very real. And I'll tell you what's real, too. Spoiler, guys. Bobby Kimball will be back on the next release that we put out. Bobby Kimball's coming back. And what I love about him is that he wants to do something heavy. He's <laughs> like, I want to do something. I don't want to do, like, the ballot stuff. He's like, I like the ballot we did. It's nice, you know. But he's like, I want to do something hard and edgy. I'm like, all right. So I sent him a bunch of our stuff. He's like, all right, some of these might be a little too crazy. <laughs> Not because he can't handle it. He just, oh. yeah, I don't know. But then he found one he really liked. And I'm not spoiling it. I'm not going to – I'm just spoiling the fact that Bobby Kimball will return to Hereafter. And uh, he, he loves you, man, you know, and he, he loves what we do over here, over here now. And uh, <laughs> and uh, this has been great, dude. Um, you know, any final thoughts about, you know, uh, music and anything you want to share? I mean, just to, like, re- reiterate what I said, you know, we just – we do what we love to do because we, you know, that's I, I, the way I always look at it is I like to try to make the music that I would want to hear, I guess, you know, and in the end, you know, because I never expect people to, to go out and buy it. I never tell people like, I, I don't know. I, I was always the kind of guy who was afraid to tell people like, Hey, go buy my album. Like, cause I always felt like that's kind of a, like, it feels low. Like, and I know people do it and that's fine, but for me, it never felt right. So whenever I do something with music, I just do it because I want to do it. And like I do try and promote it to my friends, but not in the sense of buying it, just to check it out on YouTube. Listen, to, just give it a chance. Like maybe you'll like it, maybe you won't. 
uh, either way, like if you give it a chance, that's all I ask. You know, the one thing I, I got out of, um, I actually did hang out with uh, Mike Keneally at one time in, in college. And I'll leave you with this thought because um, yeah. it was something that I was a kid. I was probably about 20. Yeah, I guess about 20. And um, I'm in college. I'm playing with this kid, Chris Overman, who's a Frank Zappa protege. And uh, Mike Keneally was there producing the record. And we were just talking about he was working with Steve Vai and he was playing with all, you know, he played with Frank Zappa. And I'm just like, you know, I don't know what it is about music. I said, I'm not, you know, I don't, it's not the money. It's, I think it's just, well, it's fun. I love it. But I said, the only, you know, the only thing I ever want to get out of it is I just want to, I just want a little respect because as musicians, you work hours and hours of your life. You spend like, I spent my whole childhood playing piano and playing guitar, you know, because I love it. I want to, you know, it's like the idea of getting your voice out. You want someone to just to, to just give you a chance and listen. That's that's all you ask for, you know, like, and I feel like that conversation I had with him about being respected, and it was funny because he just, he was in the middle of, of uh, mixing, and he just turned around and he goes, I respect you. <laughs> I was like, it's silly, and it's one of those things, like, it just, I just remember it's not like, silly. No, I mean it's silly yeah. in the way in the way he did it. Like it was just he was in the middle of mixing and he just stops and he turns around, and he just looks over and he's like, I respect you. I was like, Well, thank you. I mean that's 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 all I wanted. So <laughs> for me silly. in my regard, saying it's not silly is that you're putting yourself in front of an audience. You yeah. know, the same way I do with a podcast, exactly. The same it's way I do out there because you know yeah, you put yourself you get criticized no matter what. I, actually, yeah, when we released um, the single with Bobby Kimball on YouTube, <laughs> there was the uh, there was one comment. And it was just you know I laugh about it because you, you have to laugh about it. But the one guy was like obviously listening because it was Bobby, and he's like, "But the song is shit." <laughs> he wrote it in Italian, so I went through the process of translating it <laughs> to find out that he had said. But the song is shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's like when you put yourself out there, and I, I saw that comment, and and I yeah. do it even with my podcast. I get it sometimes. I get some heat, and yeah. I, I just shrug it off. I don't even respond to it because these people, they try to interject. They try to get into your life. They try to uh, say things, right, to get a response from you. And either which way, whether they're doing it for a certain particular reason or not, I don't care. Yeah, I, I got other shit I gotta do. You know, I'm okay. like I'm okay. I'm, you know, if, if you don't yeah. like the music, that's okay. I mean, if you don't like the music, you don't like the music. If you don't like yeah. the podcast, don't listen to it. It, it. That's how I feel. Like you know, I'm just doing it. I like it. I'm not trying to. You know, like I said, I'm not trying to. Uh, you exactly. know, make off of off of something. And I just if I you know, hey, it's one of those things. If it happened, it would be a miracle, and you know, I would treasure every second of it. But at the same time. We're gonna. I'm gonna keep doing it because this is what I like to do. Is you know, I have like you like we said, we have jobs. Yeah, this is just, this is our doing, yeah. this is our passion, and that's that's really it. I mean, that's and it. and it has been for me for a long time, dude. Real quick, I'll, I'll sum this up real fast. Is that when I was uh, about seven years old, my father started showing me guitar, and I liked it, but then I kind of quit and went to martial arts and all this type of stuff, and then I heard. You know, Rush's uh, Show of Hands album, and um, and it's a live album, 
I know it's and phenomenal. I was blown away. And I had already listened to Iron Maiden, you know, uh, a lot of bands, Metallica, you know, Motley Crue. But something about Rush just made me want to fucking play the drums. I was like, holy shit. And then next thing I know, my father thankfully got me a drum set and I never looked back. I, I just went for it, you know, and thankfully I did because it's one of the most greatest releases I have. You know, in terms of playing and just like, you know, whatever you have built up inside you with emotion, creativity. And so to play music with you and be able to, you know, let that loose. When I hear a song like The Overture, we'll probably do Time next, the last <laughs> album we put out. When when I was able to do that song, it was such a, a you know, it was incredible release. It was just something that I cannot explain. It's almost like I. It's gonna sound a little weird. It's like an orgasm. It's <laughs> like you feel like you just released yourself when you play music to that degree. And I'm so thankful, brother, that we were able to do all this all these years. And we got more shit we're gonna do. We ain't done. No, yeah. But I mean, it's one of those things. Like I still will come down. This isn't. I'm in my basement. But, like, I'll still come down to this room. I set up a room for music because, you know, I got a lot of crap. And, <laughs> you know, and I need a place where I can just kind of get down and just start playing. And, like, I will literally come down here sometimes, like, a lot of nights, <laughs> grab a guitar and just start playing along with an album like I did as a kid. I mean, I would just grab – I usually play, like, uh, scenes from a memory or, like, I'll grab uh, – the other day I was playing a Megadeth. I haven't played that stuff in years. But I was just oh. like, you know what? I just feel like playing whatever to get, you know, just – just trying to relive those old, you know, what was it I was so passionate about as a kid? I still have it, but it's, you know, you, as you get older, your tastes change and, and your styles change and everything. It's not you do it right. on purpose. It is you grow, you know, you emotionally grow as a person. Therefore, your musical styles kind of follow. You know, if you if you grow up as an adult and you become angrier, I'm sure your musical taste is going to kind of follow that, you know. I, I kind of mellowed out. I chilled. I chilled out. I was never really angry, but I always had, um, I would say a chip on my shoulder, but I always had that whole, you know, I grew up playing piano and I was four years old when I started. I have no idea how I did it. I taught myself and I ended up with this music teacher who um, went to Juilliard. His name was Richard and he was an you know, awesome teacher, but he was the type of guy that I would, you know, I would come in one week. Um, and I'd say, I want to learn this song from Beethoven. And he was like, ooh, he was like, that's brutal. He goes, <laughs> no, he goes, there's no way you're going to be able to play this song. I was like, but, you know, I said, well, eventually. He goes, yeah, eventually. He goes, but, you know, he goes, not, he goes, you're not ready for that. So I would literally go home and I would, by the next week when I had to go back for my lesson, I would learn the song. And then I would play it for him. And he'd be like, wow. <laughs> but that's it was like a um it was it was him telling me i couldn't that i guess motivated me to do it you know which is kind of what happened with the singing thing you know where you know it's not that you know jerry and 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 tom made me feel like i was never angry about it i was never like i you know at the time i kind of agreed i was like yeah but but i like it and it was something i wanted to do so i was like yeah it would hurt because it was true, you know, and I, I wasn't that great of a singer. And, you know, I was more of a guitar player, but I switched to guitar when I was about 10. Same same story with you with the, you, your dad gave you a guitar. 
Um, I did the, the piano on my own, but when I was probably around eight or nine, I was itching to kind of to get more into. Ro- I was more into rock music, and I there was no there was no piano in rock music. So aside from Billy Joel and and I was Queen, just kind of like yeah, yeah Queen, Queen, Billy Joel, yeah. But it, but, it, but it was used in such a way it wasn't really the main focus of the music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was like I kind of gravitated toward guitar. Um, my uncle, my uncle Dom, uh, who uh, passed, but he was a guitar player growing up. I had to, I had no idea. So when I told him, he was like, "I have uh, your sister's old guitar. She played when she was younger and then gave up." And I was like, "Okay." He's like, I- "I'm gonna go in the attic." He goes, "I'll get it for you." I was like, "All right, cool." And he came down this uh, case and a little amp, and he gave it to me. I went home and. I started playing a guitar and it just literally within it probably took me about a year before I before I realized that most of the stuff I was playing that I was playing was not correct. <laughs> like I, was, <laughs> I was playing along to albums thinking that I was playing the songs, but after about a year of really listening and you know, at least I had some piano training, so I knew notes and I knew things like that, but the guitar was like a completely different instrument. And I was like I, I was probably playing the rhythms correctly, but the notes were not there. So I was just like, this is all wrong. <laughs> so I had to learn how to, you know, we didn't have YouTube. So <laughs> you know what I could have waited for is that when I finally got my drum set, my father bought it for me for Christmas. I was probably about, you know, 12 or 13 years old. And I could not wait to play because I was listening to so much music. And I put music on and just played to it automatically. Like I remember the first song I played to was You by Candlebox. And my bass drum was pretty solid. Like I always had that Rambo toe for whatever reason. My legs were always good. And so I, I eventually would go on to playing other albums or playing to other albums, I should say, like Moving Pictures by Rush and all these other things. And I have to say that there was points in time when I was listening to music and discovering like, the power of music, really getting a concept. Like, yes, I listen to Motley Crue, and they're fine. I listen to Iron Maiden, and they're great. But then I started discovering bands like you talked about, Boston, yeah. the Totos of the World, the Scorpions, Journey, you know, obviously Rush. It just it blew my mind. Oh, and yeah. I was obsessed, bro. I, I would just <laughs> sit down. All the time and play. I was new to playing guitar when I got my hands on images of words. <laughs> and like, oh, that was, wow. I know. And, and it was like, oh, wait, what was that, 92? Yeah, I think it was like 1992. I was, oh, crap. How old was I? I was 10. Much oh, younger God. than you are now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, probably 13, I guess. That was my guess. Six, yeah. Seven. I was like 13 years old. I just started playing when I was 11. So I was only two years in on the guitar. And I just started playing along to it. It was, trust me, it was all wrong. But in my mind, I was like, yeah, I'm playing it. Like this, this album is, it was amazing. It was just that album like changed my life. And, you know, I ended up, uh, you know, going hardcore into guitar. And I ended up, you know, get, I ended up uh, getting a guitar teacher because I wanted to go to college for music. So you, you needed to have a certain amount of years of lessons. And I found this guy, uh, Steve, uh, Steve Leslie. He was an awesome guitar teacher. He actually went to Berkeley College of Music, and I decided that that's where I wanted to go. <sighs> and well, um, direction is going. everything. Yeah, direction. Yeah, is everything. And you know, I don't regret going to Berkeley. Berkeley was it was an amazing experience for me. Uh, very expensive, um, 
and just <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I remember that i remember that the time yeah, I mean, I mean, I yeah. Met so many cool people there i mean you know john mayer was there when i was there uh, <laughs> i think he lived um was it uh, the floor above me i think actually i was on the sixth floor he was on the seventh floor um wow. yeah and uh i think he was in a couple of my uh, ear training classes harmony he was only there for like a, i think he was there for one semester or two a lot of the musicians that go to berkeley they they, they go to berkeley and then they leave they i guess they get what they get out of it and then they they start oh, wait, are you saying that musicians are flaky <laughs> dude this is the most flakiest industry and i'm also involved in the boxing world which i love boxing but oh, yeah. man some shady shit goes on musicians yeah. oh my goodness man yeah, the most rough. proper people in the world will hey. present themselves to you and tell you like hey i'm here i want to do this gig yeah great and then they don't show up well now you know why <laughs> now you know why i play bass piano sing because you got to cover it off because i don't have, yeah because I, I, I can't trust anybody else to do it i mean i'm telling you i'm, I'm telling you i go through it i'm you know, an amazing bass player an amazing songwriter i'm lucky that you know i i grew up with him I, we met each other in third grade and a lot of the music like playing in bands it was because of him and his dad, believe it or not, his dad was a fantastic piano player, and he uh, he used to play and sing Billy Joel. And I would just sit in the living room and just watch him. And I was just like, oh my god, like, I, <laughs> like that's come from somewhere, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and he had that growing up, and you know, he played piano, and then he started playing bass. I don't I don't know what brought him to bass, but he got really into the bass, and then we started playing together, and we you know in his garage, and uh, we met Jerry in probably seventh grade, eighth grade. And because uh, Jerry went to a different school, Tom lived maybe a block away from me, so we went to the same grade school. And Jerry lived in um, Ramtown, which is uh, another area of Howell. And um, we used to meet up for band because Tom played the trumpet in the band, I played the drums in the school band, and Jerry obviously was a drummer. And we would meet up. Our our music teacher went between the two schools, so he would have these concerts, school concerts, and then he would have both of the schools get together on at a night and we would do like a combined band concert between the two schools. And that's actually how we met Jerry. And I also met another friend. Great Joe drummer. Jerry, Jerry's an amazing drummer. <laughs> he really is. He's, he's like phenomenal. He's yeah. phenomenal. <laughs> Let's put it this way. The, the guy never stops working. So obviously uh, he's in like, yeah, he's in like three cover bands at the same time. He does. He's what, in what, an original project with Tim. Uh, you know Tim from uh, of course, yeah, from John and uh, Tim's awesome too. Uh, we were gonna work together uh, on some of his stuff. Like he sent me some of his stuff, and at the time when he sent it to me, I was uh, living in a, a, a condo, and I didn't really have a good setup for recording or a place to to basically do it. So I just wasn't able to do it at the time. But uh, you know, situation. One thing changed. I, I want to say about Jerry is that the original drummer of Hereafter is his, you know, ability to play a song spot on to what the actual artist did, which is very hard for a drummer, especially, you know, considering there's, you know, when he covers a drum song, like Van Halen, oh. Neil Pure. We're not talking about like cookie cutter shit here. We're talking no. about like really hard, difficult things. And I'm we, always in awe of his ability to do that. We, we joke around about it sometimes because we, um, 
you know, growing up, we played together and we were we were all into Dream Theater. And, you know, we used to joke around like, well, let's get together and we're going to uh, we're going to cover. I think we covered Under a Glass Moon when we were kids. It was ridiculous. But but we but the music was pretty good. The vocals were not. I didn't even do the vocals. I was like, I'm not even going to attempt this. But I just wanted to do the music because it was just like the, I had no way to play the guitar part without playing along with the album. And Jerry could play the drum parts. So I was like, we got to do this. So at the time, you know, we didn't have technology like we have today. I had like I had like a four track recorder. I would go to Jerry's house with literally, I think I had two microphones, like cheap, crappy microphones, like Radio Shack microphones, and Jerry had two microphones. So like we, had, there's our four tracks, and I would literally mic up his drums. We'd put one in the bass drum, one on the snare, and then the other two just overhead. And it was like the crappiest mics ever. And we would plug him into the four track and record him playing. Uh, let's say under a glass moon with no music behind it. He just remembered the song. I was like, how I know he's, he's so like, good at that. How do you just remember so that? That song is hard as hell. And like instinctively, <laughs> yeah, instinctively, I could see that. Like you know, when I watch him play something, I I know this because I watch drummers all the time. That's what I've been doing. I've been teaching drummers for the past I don't even know thirty years. I've been playing drums forever. And the thing is, when when I hear him and I watch him in his videos with Jerry, I say to myself, "Man, this guy really his muscle memory is insane. It's nuts. Like the way he hits things and his timing is excellent, excellent timing. He never played to a click, ever. Like it's bizarre. Like if you listen to the original, yeah, if you listen to the original Imagination." Um, you could hear that the we recorded it on the four track. Yeah, for I remember that, that for that album we went we went a little higher quality. So for the four tracks we used splitters <laughs> on each of the four tracks. So we had eight microphones plugged into four tracks. It was Jesus. Insane. It was insane, and um, the the quality came out pretty good considering it was a four track on a cassette tape. And then I dumped it down to I had a gateway computer at the time. And I think I was using, I don't even remember if it was uh, Sony Vegas or something. And I was re- using that to record. And I would I would come home with the, with the tape with all the drum tracks on it. I still have the tapes. And then I would just plug it into the computer and then just press play, press record on, on Sonar or whatever it was I was using. And uh, it would record the drum track as he played it. And then I would just, I would go and I'd add my guitars. And then I would call Tom and then Tom would come over and he would do his bass part. And it was ridiculous because there were there was never a, a click track ever. If you again, if you listen to the original, um, oh, what was the song? Remember, the timing on that song is all over the place. <laughs> well, like, I, I had to figure out a lot of these songs, so I remember it. Uh, you know, I remember putting it on and playing to it. Yeah, it, it, it was a little dicey. It was a little tough, but I got to give him credit. His precision and his articulation was was spot on. And that, that's why I was so like intrigued by playing with you and playing with those guys. And when I went there, I was like, damn, I got some big shoes to fill because Jerry is no joke, dude. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm telling yeah, I knew that back then. I'm like, this guy could play. <laughs> this guy could play his ass off. What's amazing um, is when I had him to, uh, well, we, we, we re-recorded Imagination, which we'll put out sometime in the future. But um, when we re-release it, but he came over and he recorded it on the electric set over there, but he had um, he brought his own pads. He had all mesh pads. Uh, and when he recorded, it was like effortless. It was like there was no 
He was just like, wasn't right, breaking yeah. my It was just like, it was weird. It was just like, I, I think I recorded it on my phone because I was just like, he, he was facing the wall. So he wasn't even looking at <laughs> anything. But I had, you know, at least we have a click track now. And, you know, I figured out how to do that. And I had, you know, headphones running to him. And I had to rig something together because he was getting a, a, a delay. So I had to, like, rig the, the headphones through his the monitor for the drum so he could hear it right. Right, right from there. But what I was recording was his performance. And um, it was just, like, like he wasn't even trying. It was just, like and – and, and, like, the fills were so fast. And he's just, like – like, it's just, like, he's just floating. Very loose, very yeah, loose. Yeah, it's crazy. That's that's Jerry. Hey, that's Jerry. Uh, yeah, that's amazing. And shout out to Jerry big time. Real quick, before we uh, we end the uh, interview and stuff like that, is that um, I want to talk about my first experience with Rush outside of the show of hands. Oh, I remember yeah. when I heard moving pictures, right? My mom was decorating a Christmas tree, and she puts on a, a moving pictures. I'm like, this is what? Like, this is amazing. And we decorated our Christmas tree to Tom Sawyer, <laughs> Red Marchetta, YYZ, Limelight, you know, Camera Eye, <laughs> Witch Hunt, and Vital Signs. And yes, I did them all in order. That's how it went. And she's like, you, you see, she's like, you like Rush nowadays. I'm like, yeah. She's like, no, nah, you got to check this one out. I'm like, well, so we're decorating. I'm actually putting ornaments on a Christmas tree with my mom, and she puts on Rush moving pictures. Forever <laughs> changed my life. So I, I have to stand corrected. Show of hands was the gateway in the door. Yeah. But when she and I heard moving pictures already, but just to do it with that, like that was like, this is so rock and roll. This is so amazing. You know? And even to this day, my mom is ass dude she'll answer the phone she's like what up i'm like okay <laughs> <laughs> so shout outs to moms bro that's what i'm saying everybody shout outs to awesome moms that raise kids right and uh bill th this was so much fun man a lot of people are going to enjoy this trust me and uh i appreciate you sharing all that insight with me dude well, thank you. I appreciate you having me. Uh, you know, it's always fun to, to, to talk about music, uh, out, even outside of our own music. I mean, we do what we do because we do it. But just to just to like shoot the shit about, uh, you know, we we all we all grew up with different influences, and turns out a lot of them weren't different. But you know, just <laughs> right. And it's cool that we could bring it together in a way that we're making music that has a lot of it. You know, which is the idea, you know, which, which is that's where you go. I mean, you listen to music forever. And what's the next step to make your own? So, you know, you're always going to have those influences behind you because that's that's those are the voices that that led you there. And that's what it's supposed to be about, man. Like, I mean, for me, you know, I got a lot of kids I teach and stuff like that. I got a lot of adults I teach as well. I teach all types of people uh, over the years and. You know, the thing is, it's to inspire and just do something with it. Whether it gets, like, recognition or not, it, it's fulfillment. Yeah, like, exactly. yeah, you get fulfilled by it. And but, it's it's great. And it gets the brain going in a stimulated fashion. Absolutely. And that's why I said that's why I come down here sometimes and I just jam to old albums like Dream Theater. And just because I just enjoy it. It makes me happy. Like, it's 
it's my happy place. That's. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you, man. I agree with you. Like I'll go on Facebook and just go live and, and challenge myself to play a song I haven't played in ten years. Yeah, and I'm like, this is gonna sound probably like shit, but whatever. <laughs> like I'm just gonna I, I'm gonna go on muscle memory, and it's yeah. funny how much you remember. It's crazy. It's true. It's true. Yeah. It's crazy. Like once I start grooving, like I did Steely Dan's. Uh, what was it? Um, green earrings. Yeah. And th this groove is like one e, a two, and a and a four, and to do to got to to do, and the hi hats busy. It's fast. It's all all this articulation with ghost notes with snare drum, and I'm like, when I started playing, I'm like, I shouldn't be live right now because I'm gonna look like shit, <laughs> you know. But then it came back like 10, 15 seconds later. It just it started. It just got back, you know. It it's it's interesting because I watched I've seen a lot of people I watched a couple of your live things. I'm not on Facebook that much, but when I go on, like I'll right. eventually I'll catch some of my friends. Uh, my friend Andy did, uh, recorded a live stream of him playing his piano music. He writes and records this really awesome piano music, very um, melodic and like he like me. He's inspired a lot by uh, movie soundtracks. I freaking love movie soundtracks, but that. That's a conversation for another time because I can talk about time. It. Yeah, we got yeah, time. yeah, that's where I get a lot of my orchestration ideas and things. It's from sound. It's from film scores. I freaking love that. And um, but yeah, so um, this quarantine, as terrible as it's been, has has been a great opportunity for me to see a lot of my friends perform on Facebook because, like, some of my friends from college, you know, they they live all over the world. So you know, there's no way I'd be able to get get out to California and see. You know, uh, one of my friends, Kevin, play, uh, who in college, you know, when I heard him play, I was like blown away. He's fantastic. Um, so to, to like go on to Facebook and see him just playing and, you know, there's probably like a couple hundred people watching, which is fantastic alone. But you can just turn it on and watch it. It's, you know, it doesn't cost you any money. It's like it's a it's a nice live performance you get to see. It's probably the only uh, one of the only benefits out of this whole quarantine thing is there's a lot of entertainment coming out of it. Um, that's the one good thing that I could take away from. It. There's a lot I, of. I gotta totally agree with that. Real, authentic entertainment because it's not like you know. I big, gotta agree with that. It's all about being creative and doing different things and putting yourself out there. And people are more willing to listen nowadays more than ever. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and that's really important, you know. And I've connected with people that I probably would have connected with at some point in time, yeah. maybe six months down the line or eight months down the line. But it's happening faster because we we all, you know, are looking for things to do, and yeah. and it's a great way to express ourselves the same way we did. We did this yep. record. We've been doing our music. Yeah. We're doing this podcast, you know, and that that's the most important thing is for people just to be creative. And I'm gonna sound like a hippie. Be positive. Stop and look at a tree. Peace. I'm telling you all right now. Stop and look at a tree. It's all good. Look at that tree. Look at the greenness on that tree and enjoy it. It's all good. You don't have to feel like a weirdo. You don't have to be on drugs or drunk or anything. You just, no, you just appreciate. Go, it. Yeah, you just go up to a tree and look at it. Fuck <laughs> it. <laughs> Bill, you were fantastic. I appreciate you, man. Guys, we have a lot more music coming your way. Please check out our newest album. I'm going to be posting that shit all over the place tomorrow on iHeart, you know, YouTube, all those places. Wherever fine digital download audio is heard, you will 
see it all over the place because I'm obnoxious and aggressive. So <laughs> you'll be able to see that. Bill, anything you want to say to end this thing? Uh, no, I mean, I appreciate anybody that took the time to check it out and made it all the way through this because it's. I'm sure this is a lengthy podcast for you. <laughs> Two hours and 20 minutes, but it's fantastic. And you know what? Sometimes people tell me, Oh, your podcasts are only 20 minutes. Are your podcast? This is a different podcast, people. Yeah. This is a different one. We took a deep dive into music, and I hope you all enjoy it. And I appreciate all my listeners. If you made it this far, email me and I'll give you a special treat. I'll, <laughs> I'll give you something. You, you get some kind of hookup of some sort, you know, because thank you for hanging in there because it has been about, wait, wow, 20. Yeah. Time. <laughs> yeah, we're two hours and twenty-one minutes. Twelve but, twenty here. So yeah, 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 yeah. So we're 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 gonna cut loose. But if you hit me up and and you like our music, we'll hook you up. We'll send you some CDs. We'll send you some stuff. MP3s, free albums, all that kind of stuff. That's the secret surprise I'm talking about over here now. We'll give you some music. You know, if you're looking for money, don't come over here now. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, thank you so much, brother. You've been amazing. All right. See you later, John. Yep. Later. Yep.